I'm going to continue in our sermon series, Preparation for Our Mission. Mission is what makes us go in this life. Purpose is what makes us get up in the morning. Purpose is what brings joy. Purpose is what brings meaning. God has wired me and you, all of us, made in his image with purpose. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he meets with his disciples before the ascension, and he gives them exactly what they should be living for. And I want to ask you today, what do you live for? What is your meaning? Does your meaning match up with the great commission of Christ to go and make disciples? Is all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength towards one effort and one effort alone, the mission of God? Because that's where we find the greatest joy. Even when we suffer, the why, because we're doing it, because of God, advancing God's gospel, that brings great joy. In our seasons where things are easier, it's great joy. In seasons of growing and maturity, it's great joy. In seasons of seeing people that you've been praying for and evangelizing for so long, seeing them come to Christ, you get great joy from that on the mission of God. This is the mission and the purpose of all our lives all of us who are in Christ and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the aim of these messages, this is the third and a fourth part series, is to match up our values of gospel, family, restoration, and stewardship to match them up with our mission of seeing people restored by the gospel. The first week we talked about the action step The action step of um, connecting the gospel, our value of being gospel-centered with seeing people restored by the gospel is laboring for the broken. The second week, we talked about matching up our value of family with seeing people restored by the gospel and it was taking responsibility for each other. This week, the action step of restoration is matching up with our mission of seeing people restored by the gospel by having gospel conversations this is the evangelism aspect we are evangelical that mean we we believe that people must be converted and believe in the gospel of jesus christ in order to be right with god there is no other way to be right with god than the way that he has revealed his one and only son the way the truth and the life jesus christ do you hear that that puts an urgency on a soul I can't be casual about the mission when I realize there's people in our lives, people we run into, will stand before God like a sinner, like we all are sinners, but with no substitute, with no one who paid the penalty for the sin because they did not put their faith in Christ. You guys hear the urgency of that? That's what Christ has revealed. That's what Christ has revealed. That he is the only way to be right with God. He is the only way to be at peace with God. That he is God. And unless a man confesses with his mouth, repents in his heart the Lord Jesus, he will not be saved. But a beautiful thing is that Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through his life and through his death and through his burial and resurrection. So all who believe in him will be saved. This is the good 
news. That's what gospel means, good news. Now, Jesus gives this great commission. How was the news passed on to other people? How were people saved? What instruments were used? His disciples, me and you. After Jesus' ascension, there were millions and millions of gospel conversations where people talked to people about Jesus, that he lived a sinless life, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again, that he was the Son of God. Through those conversations, the Holy Spirit saved souls, converted souls, and ushered people into the kingdom of God. That is our prayer for Restoration Road this year, that we would have more gospel conversations with our friends, families, co-workers, and divine appointments where we run into people at the bus station, on the train, in the library than ever before, and God would use those conversations to save souls. Would you like to see that this year? Because I know God has placed inside of you a hunger to see the people you love in your life, even the people you don't know, to see them find Jesus because you know that when we found Jesus, or better said, when Jesus found us, We were never the same in the best possible way. He is our hope. He is our joy. He's the bread of life. He quenches our greatest thirst. He gives us hope. He's our God. He's our Savior. He's our King. He is our treasure. Amen? And people are hungry for gospel conversations. And you and me are called to do the work of an evangelist and be the instruments that God uses 85% of people who are converted to Christianity are converted through friends or family. 85%. Let God do wonderful things this year as we hope for that. You know, I got this gospel conversation bracelet on. You know what it does? It's so big, everyone says, what the heck is that on your wrist? So I'm getting ready for the training tonight, so it tells me exactly everything I got to train for. So I got a doctor's appointment this week, and I've been talk to, talking with my doctor about God and this and that every time I go for a visit. And I said, you know what, if I wear this bracelet, I bet he says something to me. And right away he went for that blood pressure, I put it on the right arm, strategic. He started pumping that blood pressure, he said, what's that? I said, that's something I'm teaching everyone about gospel conversations. You know, that's, he goes, wow, that's God's playbook. He said, you're like Tom Brady. You look at the playbook and you make the call. And I said, hell yeah. That's Boston for hallelujah. And he was so, he was so happy. Because he was like, Joe, you can use that on a sermon title, God's Playbook. But this man is, he's working through what he believes about God. But can you imagine that just a bracelet and a conversation has that man thinking in categories he wouldn't think about unless I was intentional about having a conversation about, about God. And God will bring someone else along to plant a seed and someone else along to water. We are all here today because someone shared the gospel with us. Whether it was our parents, our friends, someone lived out the gospel, shared the gospel, there was probably multiple gospel conversations. God is calling us to do that with our family, friends, co-workers, and anyone he puts in our life. 
by divine appointment. So we're going to focus on three things, the major ingredients for a gospel conversation today. They're God's design, brokenness, and the gospel. God's design, brokenness, and the gospel. These are the, what they call the three circles, and we'll train more on this tonight, that help us facilitate conversations. It's like anything. If you're going to get good at something, you've got to train in it. It's a skill. I, th- I believe all of us have the heart to do it. We just need the training because we have the opportunities. We just need some good training. And that's what I hope we uh, implement this year. And you guys, at the end of, when I think about a church here, I think September to August. So we're gearing up for the mission. That's why we're doing the sermon series here right now in this time. That this church here from September to August, that we take advantage of many gospel conversations. I'm telling you right now, God's going to do awesome things. So let's start with God's design. From the scripture... Roger read. It said God created everything. And he looked at it and he said it was good. He saw the oceans. He saw the mountains. He saw the ranges. He saw the sky. He looked at all of it and said it was good. But then something changes in our verse today. He looked at Adam and Eve. He looked at his image bearers and he said they're very good. They're very good. What I've created with me and you, what I've created is very good with them. One of the many reasons it was very good was because it was God's purpose out of overflow of his triune love. See, God is one in essence, but he is Father, Son, and Spirit. He exists in three persons, even though he's one God. He, he was in community, even though he's one God. And out of the overflow of his love, he created a family for himself who could interact and love him and be loved by him, who could commune with him and walk with him and enjoy everything he created for them, who could be his representatives on earth. So when all of creation saw these representatives, me and you, image bearers, we could shed the light of God. That's what we're meant to be, light bearers. Light bearers. That when people see us the way we love, the way we're kind, the way we care, the way we sacrifice, that they actually see God through us. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are made to be reflectors of the Almighty God. He makes us and says, this is very good. They would call this theologically the perfect Edenic state. I mean, man is in perfect relationship with his God. Man is in perfect relationship with his community, Adam and Eve. Man is in perfect relationship with his environment, with the garden. Man is in perfect relationship with himself he's at peace with himself if you want to get into the technical terms that would be the theological the sociological the physiological and the psychological we're all at perfect peace with each other the way that god designed it you realize you're supposed to be at perfect peace with your maker you're supposed to be at we are designed to be in perfect peace with each other we're made to steward our environment and be at perfect peace with our environment we're meant to be at perfect peace psychologically with ourselves that is god's design that's how he made it that's what is the first ingredient for gospel conversations because everyone knows when they see when god's design is working in its perfect state everyone knows that you know we see this sometimes when a baby's born when you see that baby Many people say, that caused me to have faith in God. I know this God because of this baby. It's the way this baby looks, the way this baby breathes, the way this baby, we all think they smile before they smile, right? They just have gas. 
When a man and woman are getting married, you look up and you're part of that ceremony and you say, when they confess their love, you say, this is the way God designed it. This is the way God designed it. And you feel a little bit of that perfection. When a dad is joking around and his child's giggling, you say, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way God designed it. When you see a, I saw a little golden retriever puppy and its owner was holding it across the street. I let him go. And you see even the relationship between animals and humanity. You say, that's the way God designed it. Not trying to run away or swim away from a shark. You understand me? But we see these little reflections and these little moments of that's the way it's supposed to be when all God's people are singing with all their heart, lifting their voices to God, all of the distractions away, and you get to be part of it, you say, this is the way God designed it. The reason I tell you this is because this is so important because everyone you have a conversation with, this is what they are hungry for. They're hungry to live in God's design. When you have conversations you will hear them talk about sometimes how things aren't going the way they should be. You'll hear them saying how they want things to be more healthy and more functional so they can walk in peace. See, there was no loneliness. There was no confusion. There was no anxiety. Everyone was working the job they want in the garden, just working the garden. No pressure. Not punching a time clock. No aging. No death. They were in a perfect relationship, the identic state. And the reason that's God's design And that's what people are longing for. That's what we long for. And that needs to be the first thing, God's design. Now, what happens is sin enters. And when sin enters, the relationship between God and man is broken. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and wanted to be like God instead of worship God in relationship to him, sin entered and brokenness entered. When sin entered, relationships and family and friends, every... The reason for every family breaking up is sin. The reason for every friendship breaking up is sin. That it's not operating God's design. The reason we don't care for our our world like we should is sin. The reason we are not peace with ourselves sometimes is sin. Sin allowed brokenness to enter. And brokenness, which is the second ingredient in gospel conversation, becomes the bridge to the gospel. So I need you to hear and listen for people's brokenness and and, uh, conversations. You know, I'll give you the second gospel conversation I had. It was with um, a young man at at CVS. His name was David. And every time I went into CVS, I saw him working hard. And it's good to see a young man working hard. It really is. Like, he'd be vacuuming. He'd be working hard. If I went in at 8.30, he was still working and I complimented him on it. I said, man, it's good to see a young man with some good work ethic working really hard. And he looked at me and said, I work for my mom. I help support my mom, my mom. So I said, I'm going to keep building conversation. With he, during the playoffs with the Celts, he grew his first beard. He's a young man. There were patches, but I rejoiced in his beard. He's a young lion. The mane doesn't come in fully, but we give him support. So I'm talking to him. Say, man, nice bit. He said, I ain't cutting it to the Celtics lose. And so we're talking. We're building conversation. He found out I was a pastor. Started talking about different things. But then one day, I'm at the cash register, and I, I pay for my stuff. I talk about it. I think it was the beard conversation. I walk around the corner, and a woman walks up to me. She said, I saw you talking to my son. 
I said, you're his mom? She said, yeah. I said, I always talk to him. He's a good young man. He works hard. I said, um, you know, I'm just building a relationship with him. She said, he needs good influences in his life. He lost his father when he was 14 years old. Do you see that brokenness coming to the surface? Because I had conversations. He said he lost his father when he was 14, and he's working hard and doing his best, but he needs good influences in his life. And I went on to talk to her. She found out I was a pastor. She went to this church years ago. Could you believe that? And she looked at me and said something I just shared. She said, I believe there's a God. I might have asked her, do you believe? And she said, I believe there's a God because he was born. I saw that God's design, and I'm paraphrasing there. I saw it. And I told her where the church was, and I invited her, and we had a conversation. That's a gospel conversation. Now, I planted all those seeds. But that woman's day was changed because by the grace of God, I was able to be intentional with the conversation and bring it, take an everyday conversation and turn it into a gospel conversation because of brokenness. Look for that brokenness. When she said he lost his dad, I said, I need to bring this to God. Because we are all, this is it, because of our brokenness, we turn to something to worship. They call this idolatry. So some people say, I don't worship anything. That's not true. You, you know what someone worships by the, what they dedicate their time, their resources, their life, and they sacrifice it for. It is their functional savior and their functional God. Because we're made to worship something and we will worship something. But people turn to other things in their brokenness. They will worship other things because they're looking for something that's going to take away the guilt, something that's going to give them rest, something that's going to ease the shame, something that's going to give their life purpose. So they're going to turn to something to worship and to bow down to. And I want to give you a few examples, just everyday examples of what I was thinking from about where the brokenness, we can bridge it to a gospel conversation. See, Tim Keller gives one of my favorite definitions of idolatry. It's turning a good thing into an ultimate thing. It's turning a good thing into an ultimate thing. So money is a good thing, but when it comes to the ultimate thing, it becomes our God. Kids are a great thing, but when they become the ultimate thing, they become our God. Our jobs are fantastic things, but when they become the ultimate thing, they become our God. And you can go down the list of things we turn to are things, let's talk about the unsaved turn to, to worship for their brokenness. They make good things ultimate things. So we need to listen for that brokenness. For example, a father might feel like his home life is a mess. So he spends endless hours at work because he feels more in control and order when he's at work. He makes work, work with his, which is a good thing, he makes it the ultimate thing. His brokenness makes him open to a gospel conversation. A mom is really depressed about her life. She sees on social media other people sharing photos of their extravagant homes, beautiful landscapes, and top-of-the-line cars. She thinks, if I only had that kind of money to buy those kinds of things, then I would be happy. So she exhausts herself overworking while all the relationships in her life suffer. She is still depressed. Her brokenness creates an opportunity for a gospel conversation. A young man has not taken responsibility as a man to mature. He's extended his adolescence well into his 20s and his 30s. His brokenness has made him devote his whole life to video games. His brokenness creates an opportunity for a gospel conversation. Do you guys see that? And we can go on and on 
with the way people's brokenness who don't know Christ, what they turn to, to worship, to do what only the gospel can. See, brokenness is a wonderful, wonderful bridge. Brokenness is a bridge that a good evangelist uses to bring people the good news. For when they find Jesus through his gospel, they can repent and believe, recover and pursue God's design for their life. So this brings us to our third ingredient of a gospel conversation, the gospel. Jesus, the only name whereby anyone can be saved, when I say saved, can be right with God. So let's give a clear and simple definition of the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again. It seems like foolishness to those who are perishing. It seems like foolishness who don't see the joy and the power of the cross. They mocked Jesus and they mocked everyone who followed him because they say, this is ridiculous to believe that God became flesh and he laid down his life, humiliated and died for the sins of the world so that men could be saved. But God chooses the foolishness of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise. I heard Sam Harris say in a debate the other day, that is foolish for those who don't know Sam Harris. He's an evangelistic for the atheistic movement. He said, that is foolish that Jesus died for the sins of the world. It will continue to be foolishness to all those who reject Christ. But is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe and that the way God has chose to show off his glory and the greatest capacity, who are we to question the wisdom and the power of God? Never be ashamed of that gospel. Never try to make it worldly or more appealing or more secular or try to share it in a way so people will say you're wise. Honor being a vessel of the gospel that's called foolishness so you can see men and women saved by it and you can, by God's grace, that we might even partake in the sufferings of Christ and be persecuted for it. What an honor to be persecuted. Amen? Deeper, more in death would be the understanding that Jesus was and is the Son of God. That he and he alone did what we could not do by living a sinless life, dying on the cross, being punished for our sins, taking our place, was buried and rose again, rose again on three days, in three days, defeating Satan, sin, and death. It's like a diamond, multifaceted, the gospel. You can keep finding ways it is beautiful. You can keep finding ways it is beautiful. How wonderful it is that we get to be the bearers of that kind of news. Do you like to give good news? I love Nathan. Brings a wonderful energy to service, and I'm thankful to the Lord for it. That we get to bring that kind of news. That people are broken because of their sin, and we get to say, listen, I'm broken too, but Christ saved me. And this is the gospel, that Christ, he is the only unique son of God who lived and did what we could not do. He was sinless. He overcame every temptation that me and you give into. 
that he was nasty. We were nasty. God forgive me. That we were nasty. We are nasty to our neighbors. We are mean. We are antisocial. We gossip. Christ never did that. He did what we could not do. That every day he lived perfectly, every moment, every minute, every second, every year, he walked in line with his Father's will. And only a pure and spotless lamb, a pure and spotless person who took on humanity would be someone who could satisfy the perfect requirements of the law. On that cross, there was a perfect lamb without blemish, without sin, who took the wrath that is ours to bear. That is ours to bear. And tell people he took our place. And he was buried in the grave, could not hold him. Could not hold him. You can't hold the sinless son of God in the grave. He rises on the third day. He ushers in the kingdom of God. Satan has no power. Sin has no more power. Death doesn't even have power. No sting for all those who believe that gospel. There was an amen out there somewhere, you scaredy cats. Nathan can't give all the amens. To understand this gospel is huge. It's huge. You know, I had a, the third conversa- a gospel conversation I want to share with you is uh, the man on the patio. I talked about him last week. But we got into what he believed about heaven and hell and what he believed about eternity. And he said, you know what? My belief is that if you're a good enough person, you get into heaven. If you're a good enough person, you go to heaven. Listen, I understand the categories of good and bad. They're helpful in many social situations. It's helpful to label things good and bad. It's helpful in some social situations to label people good and bad. It's helpful in certain um, contexts. It's not helpful when it comes to talk of salvation. It is not helpful when it talks to being right with God. Because no amount of our good deeds or righteous acts can undo the sins we have committed against God. There is no one who can do enough good to erase the smallest or the greatest sin in their life. The gospel is not that if you're good enough, you can go into heaven, and I shared that with him. It's not that if you're good enough, God will accept you. It's Christ was perfect, and all those who put faith in that work and his person... They will be pardoned and Jesus will become their substitute and their sins, their sins will be washed clean and they will enter not only the kingdom of heaven, but they will enter eternal life forever in perfect relationship with God. This is not a gospel of good people. This is a gospel of bad people who have been saved by a perfect savior. Do you guys see the difference in that? That's the difference between oppressive religion and life-giving families of God we call churches. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit wrote that gospel. And he wrote it in such a manner that no one would get exaltation or glory except for the risen Christ. 
That no one will be boasting on any corner of their good deeds, but they were boasting in the cross of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. This is the message. These are the gospel conversations we need to have with our friends, families, co-workers, and anyone God would put in our lives. Because there are people out there that the Holy Spirit will light that fire just like you and me, and they will be saved and they will know God. Amen? I need us to believe that and be brave and bold and take action this year in it. And when we talk about every pew being filled this year, they're going to be filled with people we have gospel conversations with that. With man, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Please feel the urgency of that. The gospel makes everything very good again. God's design, sin enters, brokenness comes. Brokenness comes, we repent and believe the gospel. The gospel allows us to recover and pursue God's design for our life. After the gospel, now I can walk in right relationship with God. After the gospel, now I can rightly relate to my neighbor. After the gospel, now I can be an image-bearing steward creation right. After the gospel, because I believe the gospel, now I can walk in perfect peace with myself because of the gospel. So in closing, our prayer and our labor this year is to have as many gospel conversations as possible with as many people as possible. We will talk about God's design. We will talk about people's brokenness and the gospel. And we will see many people restored by the gospel. Amen? Let's pray.